This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome to DSC's Untamed Heritage, the unique blend of hunting, conservation, and the outdoor lifestyle. Delivered in an entertaining and informative fashion as only a veteran outdoorsman can do. DSC's Untamed Heritage is brought to you by DSC, Dallas Safari Club, conservation, education, and hunter advocacy. Hornady, accurate, deadly, dependable. Trigicon, brilliant aiming solutions. Ruger, rugged, reliable firearms. Burnham Brothers Game Calls, calling as calls made. Double Nickel Taxidermy, where hunting memories are preserved. Now, here's your host, Larry Wysoon. Happen to be at the Double Nickel Taxidermy this morning, just outside of, well, kind of between New Braunfels and San Marcos, and guess who I ran into? Blake Barnett. <laughs> Blake and I usually show up here at Double Nickel to visit with John Wilson and his guys, but it's usually to check on international hunts that we've done in terms to make sure that, that our, our skins and our skulls and those that we took elsewhere, you know, across the water are here. And, how many international hunts did you do last year, Blake? Mm, not a single one. <laughs> it's been a different year. It has been. I'm kind of the same way, but I know that uh, you've been spending a lot of time in South Texas this year. Yes, sir, and I've enjoyed every second of it. I missed it. Didn't realize how much I missed it. Very true. Very true. I spent a lot of time down in South Texas. I leased a ranch. First first ranch I've had a, a, a lease on and you know, for uh, my personal hunting mostly in probably 20 years 20 years oh my yeah. gracious yeah the trips have always taken us following you around with the camera to doing my own hunting this is, is taking me around the globe but we uh you know with the pandemic that all that all came to a halt and changed a lot of things for for i think a lot of hunters all the way across it, it really did international in this instance doesn't only mean going across the the, the oceans to europe right. or New Zealand, Australia, you know, Africa. Couldn't you go know, to Canada. Couldn't go to Canada. No. I, I missed out on a hunt this year. The year before, of course, I shot a Boone and Crockett whitetail that they did here at Double Nickel for me and, and really was planning on going back this year. And 
as it worked out, the borders were closed, and now we're hoping that uh, we've got a hunt that's up for auction on the virtual auction with DSC coming up here very shortly. And if you want to learn more about that, you go to biggame.org, B-I-G-G-A-M-E dot O-R-G about the uh, virtual event and the virtual auction. But we've got a hunt that I'm going to host there with Ron Nemechek, borders permitting, I guess, yeah. here coming this later on this year yeah. in November. But uh you know, usually too, we're planning bear hunts right now. Yeah, we go to Canada every spring and fall. Have for the last forever, for bunches of years. Yeah, for, and for uh, it's, it's uh, <laughs> and I look forward to going to Canada. I miss all my Canada friends up there, and and uh, yeah, I mean, I had a big BC hunt with uh, with my friends over at Trigicon this past September. That's of course yeah, with Aaron Fredlin, with Aaron yeah. Fredlin, yeah, and uh, didn't get to do that, and didn't get to go to Alberta and hunt with my good friend Kenton Lane with big uh, stone outfitting that I do every year. And like, yeah, you you in the same boat with Rom Nemechek, and yeah, rumors are having it that Canada's maybe going to extend their their border closures, you know, um, maybe through this year. I think it's all depending on this vaccine that they're trying to distribute globally, and um, we all know that's probably going to take time. So, brought brought us back to home. I it mean, has uh, brought us back to home. You. I'll tell you what, I used to spend so much time down at South Texas, of course, worked down there yeah. as a wildlife biologist, and, <laughs> and uh, I know where the property is, and I have flown over that property all in that part of the world with a helicopter many, many years ago doing game surveys and setting up management programs. But what is it about South Texas that, that draws you there? To me, it's a mystique. Oh, man. I don't it, know how to describe it. Yeah, I, uh, the deer draw you there. I mean, hands down, I mean, all the deer hunting that we've gotten to do or and I've gotten to do in other places, I don't know what it is about South Texas deer. They're just different and they're, um, I, I think, I just think, I think they're different all the way, all the way across. I mean, I think they're a very aggressive deer during the rut, um, makes them that much more fun to, to hunt. I think they come to rattling horns better in Texas, I think, because I think our deer densities are larger. I mean, it's just... It's just it's just completely different than anywhere else across North America and, and even in Canada. But I also like the sounds and the smells. You know, nowhere, nowhere do you go that the quail are chirping and the coyotes are yipping at daybreak or at sunset. And uh, I mean, just the abundance of flora and fauna and and, and wildlife. I mean, the, just bobcats, coyotes, deer, javelinas, hogs, turkeys, quail, doves. You know, rabbits. Texas tortoises, there's, there's you know, something going on you all can, the time. It didn't make a bit of difference how you hunt down there, whether you're spotting and stalking, whether you're sitting in a spot where the food plot such as you've got. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we can bait in, in Texas as well, too. But the thing about it is there's always something going on. Even always. If, even if there's nothing there but songbirds. But uh, you got the green jay down there that is absolutely one of the most beautiful birds in, in North America, as far as I'm concerned. And, and uh, But there's just, and you never know it's going to step out. That's what I mean, yeah. And the, and the property at least is so unique. I mean, even alligators, you know. Desert old horn, hard thornbush country. I have a lot of water on this property, and and um, almost all the water that's there holds alligators. You know, and one of the coolest experiences here was is a, a female gator in one of the ponds hatched seventeen babies. Oh my and I, you know, you've seen a lot of alligators. I've seen a lot of alligators in our travels. Crocodiles too in other countries. Absolutely. I've never seen a hatch. You know, of of first time. You know, just little ones right out of the den, and uh, that has been been a cool cool experience to watch and um yeah so i mean south texas is just it's 
there's a lot of history there behind whitetail deer hunting in South Texas. Even if, if a deer hunter's never hunted South Texas, he knows about South Texas and their big bucks. Well, you know, for so long, South Texas was really kind of the mecca for big whitetail deer. And, right. And what's happened over the years, years ago, uh, we've always had big deer there. And they've had big deer elsewhere, but there was never that much emphasis put on them. And you go back into the, oh, the early 1970s, and we saw a decline in quality as far as the uh, overall quality in terms of antler and body size. And so there was a lot of research that was done. And, of course, from that, Al Brothers and Murphy Ray wrote a book called Producing Quality Whitetail. And along the way, you had the Dixie Deer Classic start over, up over yonder in, in the, I guess, in Virginia and then the Texas Trophy Hunter Association. And all of a sudden, there was a lot of emphasis, but it all began here. And then... I worked down there as a biologist and involved in a lot of that early stuff, but one of the things that happened there is we had so many hunters coming in from all over North America, and they come in and see how we were doing things, and they carried those management techniques back home with them, and as yeah. a result of that, later became yeah. the Quality Deer Management Association, and now you're starting to see what was started in Texas and South Texas many years ago spread pretty much all over North America. Yeah, and yourself had a major emphasis that you're not giving yourself credit for on on the, the development of, you know, big deer in, in well, South Texas. Well, it's the right place at the right, <laughs> the right time. time. A lot of that started, and then we'll get back to the modern day, but a lot of that, when you get right down to it, some of the really big deer in terms of interest in mature deer kind of started when John Wooders started writing about hunting mature white-tailed deer. Up till then, everybody just wrote about white-tailed deer, you know, right. and they were shooting year and two-year-olds. And John started writing, unfortunately he's passed away, but John started writing about hunting mature deer. At the same time, you had Jerry Smith, uh, who right. was basically a pumper at the time, <laughs> checking on wells, but he started photographing mature deer. Big deer that he was seeing in the field. <laughs> yeah, and for the first time, people were seeing what deer could really look like. Right. Well, when you combine those two, those two are the kind of the guys, those two guys, I think, as far as I'm concerned, are really responsible for the interest that would, came along very quickly with a lot of different other things. And... Uh, you know, those, it, it, but it's amazing where it's come from and where it, it's gone to. But tell me a little bit more about the, your property. And I want to go back to the alligator thing, too, because you're right. That country down there, it's cactus, it's thorns, it's dry country except for little watersheds right. and then ponds. And it's just amazing how many alligators are down there. Yeah. Well, you know, there's some creeks and river systems that aren't that far. And there's a, you know, there's a, a state, uh, you know, a lake. 30 minutes right. from me that's been been known to have big gators in fact the state um does a hunt i'm not right. really sure when it what time of year it is but they they allow hunting of the gators on that lake it's conducted by the state um so yeah i mean the uh, gators have always been there and people don't realize that um i just happen to be the property i have just happens to have those little watersheds that that um that those gators i think migrate to when the creeks and river systems get low you know, and they, they need a place to go to water. And I think the water. population's established so much that they start pushing each other out. Absolutely. Bit. And in my understanding is when, when we do get large rains or the waters rise is when those alligators cruise and they move. They do. And I don't know for sure, I'm, I'm not a biologist, if that's just the male gators or, or female gators, but I do know that, you know, I have seen different gators in the course of a year show up in some of my ponds that stay for a little while and, and they then move. they've moved on <laughs> and I don't know where they go to. You know, yet have I experienced encountering one and you know totally you know walking to a deer stand or walk sitting in the deer stand and watching one walk across the road or a sendero or but or a could, field that but it could very happen. well happen in the future <laughs> i got tickled when uh, we were down there just this past week actually uh 
thankfully uh, hunting seasons go on into the middle of January right. there, and, yeah. and I was there with brought my grandson <coughs> yeah, so Andrew fun. down who uh, is in, with the army as a sniper kind of thing and uh, Blake graciously invited him to come down and shoot a buck, really nice white-tailed buck and three does. And, but while we were there, I noticed there's a power plant not too terribly far away from him. Yeah. And I used to fly that ranch a lot. And before we get into the other deer situation, I, I remember flying one pond in this pond or lake tank, whatever you want to call it. It's probably about four acres in size. But I counted 52 different alligators that I could see. That did not include some of the really small ones. But yeah. that's very typical of that yeah. country down there. Wow, 52. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, uh, the neighboring ranch I know has them as well. And um, I visit with the pumpers that, you know, there's, right. oil, like I said, there's oil and gas production all across South Texas now. And so there's 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 the pumpers or the, or the oil and gas companies are on these ranches pretty well daily. And I'm sure that they see a lot of things that we don't see because we're not there you know, full-time seven days a week. But um, I did happen to stop one of the guys that uh, checks on, on the on the property that I lease and also on the neighboring ranch. I got to visit with him one day and he actually showed me a video of a gator that he saw on our side, right along our main lease road going in, you know, a good ways, I would say a quarter mile from any kind of water. And this was oh, a yeah. 10 foot, you know, big bull <laughs> male gator, you know, sitting in the brush, you know, and, <laughs> and um, he was telling me about some of his encounters and that that's one of their liabilities and things that, you know, as they get hired with these companies is, you know, beyond just the poisonous snakes that are down there is to be cautious of the alligators. Cautious of the know, alligator. Yeah, when they do their training or they get hired on, you know, to, to, to check these pumps on these properties is, is that these are the conditions you could encounter. <laughs> and I think that would probably raise, you know, an eyebrow to some people like, you got to be kidding me, but it's the truth. Um, yeah, I get I get got tickled years ago. I used to hunt a ranch down there, uh, not very well. Part of it now is under uh, Choke Canyon, but yeah. uh, back when we we invited some U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service guys, and including one of the biologists out of Mississippi, to come hunt with us. And while we were out in the field, we were telling them about alligators, and they would just say, hey, you're a bunch of liars. This is not swamp country. There are no yeah. alligators here. We're driving down to Sendera, that kind of the bottom of a little old white breast thick, and here comes a 10-foot alligator that walked across. And he saw it, and he could not believe it, you know. And then finally we took him some of the, the little tanks, if you will, the stock tanks and water holes and, and showed it to him. But yeah. until that time, he thought he was convinced that we had set him up. We'd somehow another imported an alligator <laughs> turn it loose for his benefit kind of thing. Yeah. You shot a really nice deer this year down there. I did. Uh, you know, none of this was planned. I mean, I I didn't know that the, the property even um, had the quality of deer on it. I, it it's a neat property. I, I lease it from a family. Uh, who's been very, you know I'm very grateful to to have met and they've been very gracious to let me lease lease the the ranch and use it as a as a platform basically for the media business Amen. and stuff that we do and and um, you know it it's been uh, it's been fun to take it and turn it into a project uh, you know implementing summer food plots and doing some things that the property's never even had done with it before you know some cattle had been on the property and i had introduced my thoughts and ideas of what i wanted to do and um we removed the cattle made it all about the wildlife implemented summer food plots to your your recommendations of you know what to plant and do during you know because it's it can be such a dry harsh it is desert it, climate it's, it's a desert climate and right. started setting trail cameras not knowing at all what <laughs> was really there and uh 
you know, started seeing lots of deer and as the antler development started to grow through the spring and summer, you know, found a deer that, found new, several deer that were, were, you know, attention getters, but one in particularly that I thought, wow, you know, yeah, this could be something. I remember photographs as Yeah, what do you think of this one? What do you think of that one? Yeah. Oh, and, you know, he, he blew up in that last month of growth. He really did. And uh, to be real honest with you, I remember sending you all those pictures, and we both were back and forth on what we thought the deer, how old the deer was, and what the deer may score antler-wise in inches, and the deer ended up really surprised. And I think everybody that, that, that knew of the deer that I shared shared the history of with, and I um, I set out to hunt him on, on opening weekend of the general rifle opener because we are not MLD like a lot of South Texas right, or Texas right. ranches are, so I had to wait till the first weekend of of November and did not see the deer <clears throat> opening morning and uh to my trail cameras he was very regular as a morning morning active deer very early um and then would disappear but then would never show up in the afternoon so he was not there uh being a deer and doing what deer do you know you think you got them patterned and they'll fool you like you've always said to me um but two days later he did show up and i and i um and i shot him and made a good shot but had a hard time finding the deer and had to call in legendary Roy Hines and that was my very first experience to have to call in a dog handler you know to to track a deer for me and and for it to be Roy Hines was such a special treat and a special uh, experience and moment and uh, luckily the deer didn't go very far I just didn't take any chances and the deer was much better than all of us <laughs> he, thought he was, the deer but to me the right thing be. to do is when he had a blood trailer he knew the deer was hit yeah. was to call Roy Roy's dogs have been that uh, they've been around for a long time his dad <coughs> right. developed that line of dogs and, and good gosh they've probably been around now for oh 30 40 right. years you know right. numerous generations of, of trailing blood trailing dogs and there's right. none finer nor a finer individual as far as right. i'm concerned than, and then roy hines is actually roy hines the third is yeah exactly yeah <laughs> but uh, he's just such a great <clears throat> character in so many different ways and it's just amazing how many deer have been recovered because of roy and his dogs Absolutely. that probably never would have been recovered that would have been would have been just left out in the field because you couldn't find them very true and and this was this could have been one of those instances right. i mean i i shot the deer you know with a one of my favorite ruger number ones the two seven in a 275 rigby using a hornet oh bullet it's never failed me uh you know both that round and that caliber and and uh, my favorites you know my trigicon scope was perfect for me in a low light condition because i shot the deer early uh, you know, during low light, and I felt so confident that I made a great shot. I had a, a phenomenal rest, and but the way the deer reacted and the way the deer ran off, I didn't, I didn't feel good about it. And and you know, almost always there's a blood trail with a with a good vital shot, and I had no blood trail, and um, I just had that sinking feeling, you know, and wanted to push myself to look for that deer in the brush more. But truly, was this was the biggest deer of my life as far as a native free-range deer. <laughs> right, exactly. And I told told my cameraman, I said, you know, as we were deciding what we should do, and I, the first thing that came to mind was let's go to breakfast and then give it time and we'll right. come back and look for it. And then driving out of the ranch to go to breakfast, I said, no, let's call Roy Hines. 
and so that's what we did and and talking to Roy on the phone Roy you know told Roy who it was and what we were doing and we were filming for a TV show and the first thing he asked me was do you have a video clip of the kill shot right and I you know we said yes you know we sure do and he said send it to me and you know with today's technology we were able to do that immediately right and I sent it to him and it wasn't 60 seconds I got a text message back from Roy that says I'm on my way, I'm on my way. <laughs> so that was a very positive yes. feeling somebody as experienced as that who recovers deer who have been right. wounded I felt then that there's a chance however <laughs> when we met going back to our alligator conversation right Roy Hines knows about the alligators in oh, that yes. part of Texas yes, he and does. the first question he asked me was do you have alligators on the ranch and I said yes sir and he said I don't know that I'm going to look for the deer. Right. You know, which was another sinking low for oh, yeah. a second because, but respectfully, I understood, you know, Absolutely. those dogs mean the world to the, the him and his family, and, and they're both very valuable in terms of, you know, um, what Roy does with them and how he makes a living with them. So looking at some Google, Google Maps, you know, through our cellular devices to show him where the deer was shot, where the deer went, where the ponds were into the, you know, in relation in to relation that location to, that, right. to be, make sure the dog would, would be safe. And, um, you know, I had, I had, he asked all the right questions. I didn't have all the right answers cause I didn't, all I knew was I hit this deer and the deer didn't run off like he was hit very hard. And, and that was my biggest concern, right. but I knew where we could set boundaries. Um, by following the dog on a GPS if he was going to head to water to get to get exactly. the dog back. Right. And one of the things that Roy had said to me, he said, you know, I have the ability to call one of my dogs off. He said, but I don't like to do it. It's right. not something good to do when you train these dogs. But but the liability of, of the deer going to the water where these gators were and the dog ending up in the water, I certainly respected the fact that that was, a, that that was not going to happen or we weren't going to allow that to happen. And fortunately... Um, when, when Roy and I got to, to the lease and showed him where I shot the deer and there was no blood, showed him where the deer jumped the fence and there was no blood. But Rufus, good old Rufus is the famous tracking no, dog. Rufus, yep, His demeanor completely changed at the point where we, he, did, he didn't pick up a scent at where I shot the deer. No. And another stinking low. When I, went to, when I showed him where the deer jumped the fence, Rufus's demeanor changed. And it's amazing to watch that relationship work between man and dog, you know, because Roy knew instantly that Rufus had switched his game and, and right. was on to something, though there was no blood. And Roy said, I think, I believe Rufus is on him. And he said, now let's just sit here for a second, watch him on the GPS unit. And maybe two minutes later, Roy said, he's stopped. He said, we're going to give it a few more minutes and then we're going to go. And it was probably only 30 seconds literally that Roy said, let's go. let's go. And he said, start looking for blood, boys. Yeah. And we probably went 100 yards. And there was not a drop of blood. Till that point. Until we got to the deer where the deer had coughed it, coughed it up. Right. You know? The Hornady bullet performed perfectly. Um, so it wasn't a matter about not having a, a blood trail. Really what it came down to was this was a 220-pound deer. I was going to say, that, that deer was big body. Yeah, deer. and the angle that I took of the shot was he was more angled than I thought. So the bullet did enter the pocket of the shoulder exactly where I Just aimed. Just where you wanted it. But instead of a pass-through, it, it angled back towards the back left hip of the deer, therefore not allowing an exit. Right, right. But where there was blood was where the deer had stopped from running and it come out of its nose and mouth yeah. and it falls so obviously over. So, yeah. blood, uh, blood, but blood there's shot. no doubt the deer was stiff yeah. as can be 
and we were ta- we're talking about this is probably was probably about an hour and a half. Yeah. Between the time I shot it and between so the time we recovered it, go all that far before he's down. But right. But if you, with no blood trail, no yeah. obvious blood trail at yeah. least. Yeah, and thick South Texas brush. I mean, oh, that, if you've hunted South Texas, you know what I'm talking about. Could I have found the deer? I might have, and I feel like it would, it would have been pure luck that I would have stumbled against, you know, upon him. Right. Um, but doing the right thing to back out, not put my scent all in that no, bush no, no, to no, mess no, it no, up no. for a dog and to call somebody like Roy Hines to come in there. And I mean, that was the smartest thing and, yeah. the, and the right thing to do. It, as it a was the right thing to do. I, I was with uh, Dave Fulson. He was filming a show for Trigicon's World of Sports and Field, and we were down there shooting does and and uh, some management bucks and they put Dave on a really good buck looking right straight at us and and of course he hit hit the deer perfectly but perfectly just a little bit to the, <laughs> to the right side of the, the the vitals and knocked the deer down left and took off running and and we followed him maybe about 30 40 steps yeah. in that thick Catula South Texas brush and uh I was, I was visiting with a landowner and with with DJ, and I said, DJ looked at me, he said, what should we do? And, and I said, call Roy Hines. Yeah. <laughs> and they were good friends with Sure, yeah. We, they called, are, we yeah. called him Little Roy because yeah. I knew his dad real well, too, which was Big Roy. But So we called Roy and, and uh, put the dogs on, put Migo. Uh, Rufus had been stuck in the side by a buck that he was trying to to, to uh, recover to recover or, or try to bay about three well right after you yeah your deer and oh, okay so he was I didn't still know in recovery but migo is is the younger dog and they put migo on him and i mean he did an absolutely fantastic job bayed the deer and they were able to uh, slip in there and, and, and put, and put another shot on him and, and in that instance john schulte is sure is, he has is, one uh, of his helpers son-in-law yeah and yeah. uh so that he put, I got a chance to visit with with Roy a lot, which I hadn't had a chance to do in a long yeah. time. We listened to his John and watched John on the GPS, you yeah, know, trail up here, and thankfully found it. But having somebody like him around uh, with dogs of the quality that he has is just that's a godsend as far as and I'm just the concerned. type of person that he is. Oh gosh, you know I mean, more they, than they anything. Don't come any I mean, better. This was the biggest deer I'd ever killed as far as a native free-range deer you know he scored 180 and 6.8s you know yeah. pretty much a typical frame deer and oh yeah long and um, times. long tines and long beams and great mass and and you know and and um you know had it not been for roy and rufus i don't know where where i would be but i was just a the excitement of getting to meet roy and watch oh. watch roy work was just <laughs> as exciting as getting to kill my biggest deer and i told him that and i mean that sincerely and absolutely and um you know, yeah, he's. If you're a landowner, a rancher owner in, in South Texas, and or an avid deer hunter in South Texas, you know the name Roy Hines, and and uh, worth every worth every dime if you have to call upon him to, to help you. You know, and and he's such an honest, straight shooter. He'll tell you straight up if he's going to find the deer or not yeah. find the deer. Yeah, they'll. They you usually know. have a pretty good idea. A lot of times, even before he gets there, if you got footage of them, now a lot right. of people don't have them, but usually right. he'll tell you right away that. Uh, we may have a hard time getting this deer, That's you right. know, because they can tell where the wound was, where how the deer steps, how the dog reacts, and all those kind of things. Yeah. But it's absolutely fantastic to spend time with Roy, and hopefully you don't have to do it in the situation where you called him in. But if you do, it's still worth every cent, like you mentioned, yeah, just, just to spend yeah. time visiting with him and, and to watch his dogs work. I would give anything to sit around a campfire with that man <laughs> and listen to him tell stories about his about just his dad and his oh, granddad God. and just, you know, you know, they're, they're known for, for 
having big deer on their ranches and a lot of a lot of people have hunted those ranches they hunt those ranches and a lot of well-known bucks have come off the Hines oh ranches gosh, over yeah. the years you know of many of them well i had had the great privilege and honor to get to know his dad real well we were very good friends with his mom miss fanny grace as far as i'm certain one of the most fantastic ladies that ever walked the face of this earth kind of thing and thank god she's still alive i had a chance to catch up with roy about his mom as well too so uh, you know again you hate to have to, to call roy and and but when you do man it's it's worth there's nothing else just to visit with him yeah kind of thing. i agree with now, you now you had a chance to hunt with some of your family this year too and that's something that neither you or i have an opportunity to have done a whole lot in years past outside of the fact when my grandsons were little when uh you used to film those guys yes. for uh winchester <laughs> world of whitetail and, and some of the early shows that i was involved in. yes and you know i didn't realize how guilty i felt until this year and that's probably the the most positive thing that's come out of this whole of the, covid i agree global, global pandemic but i um i did and uh i took my little sister and and she has a little two-year-old boy who's who's fabulous <laughs> i mean it's just amazing to me that age to see how much he enjoys just all of all of being out there from riding around in the pickup truck to feeding the fish in the stock ponds to you know playing in the deer blind which he calls a ford to to, to really see and see him take an interest and also mimic what i do oh, you know in terms of feeding the deer feeding the filling feeders doing work um sitting in the deer blind watching deer i mean he, he's tuned in and he even at two he gets it he understands it um he got to go on two hunts we took him on two hunts this season one was opening weekend and katie shot my sister katie shot a beautiful buck oh yeah and, big um, nice wide massive yeah and to see that young boy's real excitement because he understood yeah. what what the bang <laughs> of that ruger rifle was and right walking up and recovering the deer what that was and what that you know what that meant to him because he could see the excitement in us and um yeah we hunted not just last week actually yeah um a week before this we were recording this podcast and shot some does for the freezer and and took katie and him again and and got to be a part of that and he loves every bit of it and that just changes it for me too i'm not a i'm not a father don't have kids but Wow, I'd do that every chance I could get, to be honest with you. If I never went abroad again hunting but could do that, right? I'm okay. All right. Well, I, 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 I fortunately had two daughters that both hunted with me and then yeah. the four grandsons that you hunted with. Yeah. And even with uh, Catherine Rose, our, our one granddaughter. So, I mean, yeah. Well, take in Andrew, your you grandson. Those guys yeah. grow up. And then, of course, now Andrew is yeah, grown right. and that same sniper way. in the military. And, and I took uh, another young man named Andrew that's a son to a mutual friends of ours from, absolutely. for a it's youth a hunt to Rose. shoot his first, first buck. Yeah. And, uh, my mom i got to hunt with my mom this year I, I took mom um basically on a day hunt she she couldn't be away for very too long right. and that's the beauty of of the ranch that i lease is, is, is um you know an hour and a half drive from, from right. my home where i live and my mom lives close to me so to pick her up for the day or really just to go for the hunt hunt an afternoon and um you know it wasn't about what we were going to shoot i really had no idea what we would even see and we weren't in the blind five minutes and this amazing beautiful buck with a big kicker comes walking down the down the sendero and and uh my cameraman chase even says 
you know, Barnett, look at this deer, you know, and all, I just looked at him and just said, Mom, get your gun, you know, and she was, again, she was shooting a Ruger number one with a Trigicon scope and, of course, Hornady ammo all the way and a 257 Weatherby Magnum, and and that deer walked all the way down and got about 80 yards from us, and, and um, Mom was just excited but calm as can be and shot the deer, and he didn't go 20 yards, and and uh, the, the excitement overload took over then, and <laughs> and I'm uh, so happy and proud for her. Amen. And, and that moment to be be there and share that too was, you know, that's to be honest with you, that's the second deer, um, that's the second buck my mom's ever killed in her lifetime. She's 70 years old, and that's the second deer um, I've sat with her and, and hunted. The last one was probably 20 something years ago. Right. Back before I really got real busy with <laughs> working with you and being a part of this industry. Exactly. So, another moment to uh, be just thankful for out of, out of all the situations at hand that are going on in our world today. So, well, like you were, were talking about, I, I finally got a chance to shoot a buck. I've been wanting to do that for a bunch of years on my own property. Yeah, it's been in your family forever. Well, it's been in the family since 1850s. And oh wow! I'm not going to tell you how many uh, years it's been, but it's it's been longer than you've been alive. Yeah, since I shot a deer there. <laughs> I think there. that's so cool, though. So I'll tell that story some other time. But where do you? We're seeing changes going on right now in terms of hunting, and they're positive changes in a lot of different ways. Yeah, I just saw figures to where in almost every state. Hunting license sales were up anywhere from yeah. the minimum was like four, but even like in California, the hunting license sales was up like 10, 12% compared to the past. And every other state, some of them, the states were up 20, 25%. Yeah. A lot more people seem like they're staying home. And uh, I think part of that has been because of the COVID thing. But also, I think a lot of people, because of this local war movement that's out there, where people are interested in gathering and partaking and taking their own food, has really changed the the, the overall scene. I think a little bit. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I it, I think it's a very complex, wide, um, right, exactly. You know, version of change that we're going through. The global pandemic has definitely Certainly. been the number one hit across the globe, and, and of course, right here at home for us. I think hunting has gotten expensive. It's what scared some people away from it over the years past. Um, but because of a global pandemic hitting and when this pandemic hit and the shortages that everybody, when everybody panicked and ran to the stores, you know, when you look at the toilet paper situation and then the milk and then even the shortages of beef and chicken and right. things that were, that were starting to show shortages of because of, um, you know, fear, I still believe that, you know, um, our government, you know, put on people and the restrictions that they tried to mandate. Without a doubt. Um, people, people who used to hunt got back into hunting as a way to say, hey, I'm not going to, you know, if we really get in a short, in a shortage situation, uh, you know, I can't provide for myself. So I think that that created a spike in hunting licenses. Um, people saying, hey, you know, I'm going to provide for myself one way or the other if these grocery stores and meat markets run out of meat, you know, and we run, and we run short on food. I mean, who would have ever thought to begin well, with, you so know? Finally, a lot of people realize food doesn't come from the grocery store. That's right. There is a source from That's which right. it has to come from. And the from. other side of it, too, is, I mean, you know, I think the growing, the number one growing number of hunters is women today. Oh, without a and doubt. And that started, yeah. I think, even before the pandemic. Right. And um, that's, that's a, 
that's really important in my opinion. I made a post on my social media actually yesterday that said, you know, if mom goes hunting, the whole family goes hunting. Amen. And it's there's so much truth to that, you know. And um, yeah, I mean, we are we are human, and we are we are the apex predator. And if we if we get hungry, we're going to find a way to feed ourselves. And if that means you know having to take an animal, and and that's what we do anyway. I right. mean, people forget. Yeah, like you just said, people finally realize that that meat doesn't just come from the grocery stores it's it, you know it's it's grown it's raised it's it's killed it's processed it, it ends up in you know a wrapper and and on the shelves but as hunters yeah we have a way to gather for ourselves so yes i i agree that the pandemic has definitely um spiked interest again in our hunting world um from hunters who have maybe given up hunting for a while due to just maybe wanting to take a break or it becoming expensive and, and not spending as much money and doing something other and a hobby wise. But um, it's a good thing to see. And I hope that it, I hope it's here to last. I think it is. I think we've started seeing this trend. I think it's going to continue for a lot of different reasons as well. Uh, and, and once somebody gets into hunting, I've seen very few people that leave it and go, I don't ever want to do this again. It, I agree. It, it, it's, it's all the things that are involved with it, uh, from the uh, companionship of being out, the, the opportunity to get away by yourself, yeah. to learning about yourself, to learning about the animals, to being able to provide food, to being sure that you're going to have animals in the future because yeah. the money's spent that go toward hunt, from hunting that go toward the conservation of the habitat and the, hab, or, and the species. So I think people are starting to become aware, more aware of that again. And I think that's just going to continue as we hit into the future. Uh, a couple other things before we shut this thing down. Uh, for years, I was with the uh, Ruger Ambassador Program. I was initially it was it was uh, Miss Kelly and I and uh, Miss Kelly Glenn initially, yes. and uh-huh. then I was involved with it, with Ruger for a while, and they've since added people. And then as of the first of the year, I have officially left the Ruger Ambassador Program. But you stepped up now and kind of replaced me there, so I am, <laughs> well. I am absolutely tickled, thrilled, honored to, to see you there. So I, I think of, of, of anything that Ruger has done lately, which they've done a lot of things right, I think they made the right decision <laughs> there as well, too. I am honored to be a part of it, and a lot of that is thanks to you, Larry, and and to, to the Ruger rest of the Ruger ambassador oh, team and, and, and everybody at Ruger. Right. Um, you know how much I'm passionate about Ruger guns, especially number yeah, ones from I a collecting like point. Shots like I, I do. <laughs> I just, I'd love them and I love their bolt guns too, but Absolutely. that is, that is, that is correct. Yeah. As of January one, I, I am now officially part of the Ruger ambassador team. Congratulations. And, um, and I want to thank everybody that made that possible, but you, you being the leading part of that, it's, um, I'm forever grateful. So, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, you know, I, it's 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 unfortunate we can't all get together right now uh, with the way COVID is and the trade shows all being canceled for 2021 because that's always a great, you know, we always group up and see each other in January normally during this time of year with the trade shows and, and it's going to be different. And, um, and uh, we just have to learn to... Uh, you know, model things differently and work together differently and become creative on, on what we're going to be able to do with this, with this team membership. But I'm excited about it. Look forward to it. it it's absolutely the, the best group there is as far as I'm concerned. They're it, all great it, too. It, well, they are all are great, but it, 
I would, it, that was one of the hardest decisions I've made is, is to, to leave Ruger as, from the ambassador program, but kind of thing. But uh, they're still a sponsor on the podcast. And so yeah. I've, I've not left Ruger. Of course, I've got Ruger guns that I want to be shooting from here on. Probably won't be buried with any of them, but at the same time, the, my grandkids and my daughters and their families, or all their families from here on out, will have Ruger guns for a long, long time. You do a lot on uh, the digital platform, and before we leave, tell me a little bit about uh, YouTube that you're doing right now, the YouTube station, and also I know you do a lot with Carbon TV as well, too. I do, and I, I Carbon TV has been fantastic. Julie McQueen, she's the president there, and I think she runs uh, a fantastic operation there. She's very keyed into the digital spectrum, the digital world in terms of... Um, you know, finding and, and, and attracting those viewers. Um, again, we're going through we're going through a change, you it's, know, it's and um, I believe even this, this pandemic is even going to further advance the digital world and digital space. And without a doubt, and technology has has advanced in such a fast, short time um, that content now is. A viewer can can watch anything they want to watch today, and they don't need the aid of basic cable, Comcast, satellite, no, no. or even a, just a basic TV platform. No. I mean, you've said I've heard you say it. People now today use television screens as a monitor, basically, it is. Right. and that is so true. And so, what we've seen, what I have seen in terms of coming from the TV world, is you know people are moving away from those um, monthly subscriptions of a of a, you know a, a dish network or direct tv or some sort of cable provider because um, there is no longer the demand for a 200 dollars a month cable bill and you know i try to relate it back to like the, the cell phone world where we've seen how cellular phones have yes. come so far from when they first started being used to today and the mergers and the acquisitions that have been made between all the telecommunication companies over the years you right. know when one advances in technology there seems to be more a buyout therefore i think we're going to start to see that more um but yeah you know the youtube thing honestly was just something created and um and just put there to see what it would do and honestly i'm guilty of not updating it as much as it probably needs to be updated. But again, it was created without a main focus of it being something exactly. to, to, to be a sole platform. And yeah, I mean, uh, it honestly generates nearly 400,000 views in a, every 28 days. And, you know, comparing that to, you know, <laughs> a, a cable Comcast time by, which is what outdoor television is right, for most of right. us producers. We're matching the same numbers now today, so which tells me, you know, that more people are pulling the plug on cable, cable and satellite, and um, so adding our content to Carbon TV, um, who works and helps promote us as producers as well, um, and enlarges that whole spread. And there's other platforms out there as well that we look at, you know, that I'm definitely looking at expanding, right. expanding too, because it's more available. It's more available to the person when they pick up their, oh, yes. you know, their, the their, their remote stuff. control oh, device. My God. Yeah. yeah, you know, and it's free. Exactly. And uh, and you know, most of them also have, you know, free downloadable apps to your smart devices, and 
we live in such a fast-paced world today that people live off of their phones and their laptops or their iPads and everything else. They really do. As you're aware, I do this little, I call it a little real-life TV show. It's a weekly, we change it every week, uh, you know, with with an episode of, uh, and it's on Pride Outdoor, Pride Outdoor Network. Right. And it's called a, a, a Sportsman's Life that I do with Luke Clayton and, and Jeff Rice. And our production cost is very low, thankfully, right. because, and it's a weekly so that we can update it every week. If something happens in a week that's something you want to put, you can put it out with yeah. our regular TV that's shows. Right. We're doing them six months six in advance. Six months in advance, you know? yeah. And even there, just on the Pride Outdoor Network, we're getting 400,000 views a month, yeah. you know, and on a really good year, you know, if you got four to five hundred thousand dollars, four to five hundred thousand views, actual views on some of the TV shows that we did, the traditional type TV shows, it was a pretty good month. Yeah. Well, you've been an executive producer and producer of your own television shows for years. Exactly. And you've seen the model, the, ch- the model change. Oh, it's you've seen the num- You've seen the numbers steadily decline from a from a linear television platform and the digital numbers rise right. you know? and i think we can all say we're guilty of saying oh tv will always be number one it is changing it is changing and it, <laughs> it is, is changing, changing in a hurry yes so, so uh i'm glad you brought that that question up and yeah i look forward to doing a whole lot more there it's where it's going it's where the next generation is following their content and that's important i think absolutely in the worlds of the hunting world is the next generation yes yes i'm i'm thrilled to see you hit it in that direction with some of the things you're doing yeah i'm excited about it too before i shut this thing down blake if somebody wants to get in touch with you what's the best way to do or how can they learn more about what you're up to whether it's instagram facebook or yeah or any of those kind of things absolutely they can message me and find me on instagram at uh, trailing the hunter's moon uh, same with Facebook, Trailing the Hunter's Moon, or they can email me personally. I, I love to take questions uh, at BWB Hunt Productions with an S at the end, plural, BWB Hunt Productions at gmail.com. Perfect. So I thank you again, Larry. This has been fun. It's always fun to spend time with you, my friend. Yes, sir. Look forward to the next time when we spend another somewhere, I think probably going to be in North America from here on out as far as I'm concerned. And I am perfectly okay with that. <laughs> we'll share a campfire there again in the very near future. Blake, yeah. thank you so very much for being with me. Today. Thank you. DSC's Untamed Heritage is also brought to you by Texas Wildlife Association. Working for tomorrow's wildlife today. Texas Raised Hunting Products. The Scent Gods, Kennetrek Boots, for the trail less traveled, Wildlife Systems, serving hunters and landowners since 1987, Boyt, the finest in hunting gear, and Pyramid Air, for all things air gun. fish are where you think they are. Any one of these casts could be the bite. It's the most exciting fishing that I know right here at Hawks Cave. Oh, that's awesome. Experience the best saltwater fishing the world has to offer. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience, brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts, every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. 
In Wild Country, rules were not created by man. Don't miss Wild Country, Wednesdays from 7 to 11 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Primos. Speak the language. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.